All right. Our text this morning is from James 1, 22 through 27. You can find this on page 1011 in the Bibles placed on the chairs in front of you. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. Great. Wow. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, Well, good morning uh, to all of you here. It's good to have everybody with us this morning, and uh, welcome to Grace Prez. If I haven't met you, my name is Steve Pink. I serve as the director of ministry here at church, and uh, would love to meet you if we haven't met already. And welcome to those who are joining us online. I know we have several families that are away for the holiday weekend, um, and uh, excited to get everyone back next weekend as we come back together. Um, I'll highlight a few things towards the end of the sermon. Um, this morning, as Jacob read, we're in the book of James. Um, we're, we're actually going to um, stop after verse 25, and uh, next time we'll, we'll hopefully pick up there, uh, if not in uh, chapter 2. But just so you know, we'll, we'll go to verse 25 this morning. Um, I was trying to think through uh, kind of what the big theme was for this verse, and, and even really what the title the sermon, and there's, there's something in like the entertainment industry that is uh, called a teaser, okay? So like sports talk radio, the news, news talk radio, even on music radio stations, there's something called a teaser, and what they do is they give you like a morsel of information, but it's so sweet that you want to you hear what the, the full satisfaction of the whole piece of the puzzle of, of what that little piece of information is. And so they'll give you that, and then they'll drop on you after the break, right? You know, the, the, the teaser is, is, after the break, I'm going to tell you the top 25, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, you're hooked, right? It kind of sets the hook for you, and you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll make it through four minutes of commercials to hear what that's going to be. And that's, that's, that's the teaser, right? That's what a teaser is, is it, it hooks you, it gives you a little bit of content, you're interested, and then you're willing to hear what you want it to be satisfied so you'll listen through the break, right? And, and this week, as I was studying James, as I was saying, trying to find this big takeaway, what is the title, what is the, what is the one thing that I'm walking away with as I... As I um, read this, and my hope for you. And, and I kept being drawn back to verse 25. And uh, towards the end of verse 25, um, James writes the law of liberty, of freedom, right? Freedom, liberty. And, and then he closes verse 25 with saying, this man 
or woman, this person will be blessed. And, and, and I kept coming back to this being blessed in freedom. And that's where I was, was at this week, or this week as I was moving through that. And this is obviously where the analogy breaks down from the entertainment industry teaser and the, 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 the teaser for you of, do you want to be free, right? Do you, do you want to be satisfied, right? And this is where, where the analogy uh, illustration breaks down a bit with, with the industry, uh, entertainment industry, because we all know, we've all experienced that. I've, I've gone through that slideshow on the internet to figure out who the 25 greatest whatevers are. I've, I've listened through the commercial and I get back and it never seems to really meet the expectations, right? It was kind of like, ah, that was kind of, that was, I got hooked, I got drawn into that, and it really wasn't worth listening to it. Teasers in the, in the uh, entertainment industry are kind of like <clears throat> the Diet Coke of information. You know, it's like, it doesn't quite hit, right, the same way. And so, but this is where it breaks, breaks path with when we talk about spiritual. When, if, I, if I'm using this as spiritual content, as a teaser, do you want to be full? Do you want to be satisfied? Do you want to have life and life to the full? Do you want to lack nothing? And as I was reading James uh, 1 this week, I realized that that full life is really something to share with you. That there really is a life better than the one that we started out in. That there really is life and life to the full that you really can be fully satisfied and, and lacking nothing. You can be free. And so that's where we're moving into, and we'll get a little deeper into that in verse 25, but that's the trajectory, that's where we're moving uh, in this sermon is, is this, this piece of freedom and life to the full. Um, verse 22 picks up, James writes this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. James gives another command here, right? We said last week there's 108 commands in the book of, of uh, or there's 58 commands in the 108 commands, or excuse me, let me try that again. There's 58 commands in 108 verses in the book of James. And so he's coaching. Remember, he's writing this letter to the original audience that are new believers. They're, they're, they're folks that have, have Jewish, they're, they're Jewish ethnicity, um, but they have given their lives to Christ. They have trusted in the gospel. And because of that, James is, is coaching them and going, continue to walk this out because the reports that I'm hearing from the folks in the early church are not matching with what the gospel really says. And so he's coaching them up in this letter and he's giving them commands to live out. And he says, be doers of the word, not only hearers. Live out what you believe. L allow the truth of the gospel to sink deep into your hearts. And from your hearts, everything else flows. And be changed. Let the word control you instead of controlling and manipulating the word. He's addressing uh, something that you and I deal with every day. It's the reality of going, am I going to try to continue to be the king of my own life, to sit on the throne of my life as the ruler and be fully autonomous, 
Or am I going to give that role to the king of kings? That's, that's who he's writing to, and he's saying, live it out. Don't just hear it. Warren Wiersbe, we're going to refer to him twice today, theologian, author, he said, too many Christians mark their Bibles, but their Bibles never mark them. What does he mean by that? Too many Christians open Scripture and are in a religious routine. And, and, and they'll read Scripture and they'll mark it up and they'll take notes and all those things are beneficial. But the, it's not the primary. The, the primary is for Scripture to mark you. The primary is for your heart to be affected, changed, shaped into the heart of God. And we can easily, friends, you and me, this applies, this is written to the early church, but it's written to the church universal. To you and me, as we sit in 2021, we can read and, and do our religious kind of checkoffs of going through prayer in the morning or going through a devotional in the morning, and we can run past allowing the Bible to mark us, allowing Scripture to actually change challenge and shape us and so hearing is part of it but progressing on to maturity after we hear we have to apply we have to take what we've heard and live out you remember we had talked last week that James um, saw the heart as a garden right and uh, just the analogy of left to ourselves uh, our heart produces weeds. It's overgrown. But the gospel, we read this last week in, in a couple of verses earlier in James, the gospel, God has, through his Holy Spirit, has planted the seed of the gospel in you. And, and as we water it, it grows. And the Holy Spirit leads us to do that. How do we water it? We live out. We trust the Holy Spirit in us and we live out the very things that we are learning and hearing. And it's a process of taking the weeds out and this beautiful seed growing into this, this wonderful, lush garden of the gospel in our heart. And that process comes as we apply the word of God in our lives. We believe it and we live it. And that's what James is getting at in verse 22 here. It was Ransom last week before we uh, had the Lord's Supper made the, made the comment that... Um, Many theologians and, and Bible commentators uh, tend to take the, the letter that James wrote as, uh, in a lot of ways, interacting with the Sermon on the Mount that his older brother Jesus preached in Matthew, uh, in the early books, uh, early chapters of Matthew. And we see that playing out. I wanted to share from Matthew 7, Jesus saying this. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. You hear that? James is interacting with his older brother Jesus' sermon that he was sharing with his disciples. And he's saying, again, Jesus saying, hear these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Um, another one of these times where the Lord interweaves things, I didn't know what was being shared by Linda as far as the house on the rock. And, but, but if you have heard that parable that Jesus says here, is it's basically this. There's two different people. 
There's a wise man and there's a foolish man, okay? As we hear that, we would go, I would like to be in the camp of the wise man. Right? Nobody raises their hand and says, I want to be foolish. And so there's a wise man and a foolish man. And, and here's, here's what Jesus sets up is that there's a storm that comes. And, and he's referring to the storms that we face in life, right? There's going to be trials. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be sufferings. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be pain. And because you are in Christ, that doesn't mean that while you live in this broken world, you will be spared from those things. It's, it's right to acknowledge that both the storm comes on both the, those that are wise and the ones that are foolish. Okay, there's an eternal security that we have in Christ that allows us to move forward through all those hard things that those that are not in Christ don't experience. And in one day, we know the hope that we will not experience pain and suffering and heartache any longer when we leave this world. And that's the promise for, for those that are in Christ. But the storm here hits both the foolish and the wise. And then Jesus tells us that, that uh, we're kind of represented by a house. And the wise man builds his house on sand that's easily broken up, that's not strong, that has no, no real security in its foundation. And the, the wise man builds his house, his life, on the foundation that is rock, that is solid, that can withstand all things. So when the storm hits, the life of the, of the one that's built on the sand breaks apart. The life is destroyed. But when the storm hits the solid rock and the house and the person that's built on the word, on the solid rock, they endure. They're kept intact. They're, they're not lacking in anything. They're kept together because they're protected, not by the structure they built or the life that they built for themselves, but by the foundation that the life sat on. And so Jesus is saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so James echoes his older brother and he says, live out. Don't be just a hearer, but be a, also take what you hear and do it. Live it. Apply it. And he goes on to say in verse 23 through 25, he says, uh, James writing, if, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty or freedom, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Back to Warren Wiersbe, he points out that there's a few mistakes that you and I can, can, uh, can make as we look at verse 23 through 25. As we put ourselves as that man looking into the mirror, as we put ourselves as that woman that's looking at yourself in the mirror and then looking into the law of liberty, the scripture, the word, he said there's a few mistakes we can come across. One is that we can be people that glance into the mirror instead of examining ourselves in the mirror. 
and therefore we forget what we saw. Uh, the, the difference of, is huge between glancing at something and examining something. It's, it's the difference of scrolling on Instagram through pictures versus going to an art exhibit and, and examining and studying one portrait. And that's, that's what James is calling these new believers into is don't just hear it, but do it. And part of hearing it is, or part of doing it is not just glancing at it, but examining it. Examining both the word and allowing the word of God to examine you. <clears throat> Glancing is quick. It's painless. You can multitask during it, but examining takes time, focus, even a desire for your values, your morals, your viewpoints on life, politics, relationships, sexuality, to be challenged and confronted as you, as you examine yourself, your heart, in the mirror of Scripture. And that's what he's calling for, is don't glance at the word in some religious routine, but allow it to, be, to study you and to examine you. Allow Scripture to be your mirror so that as you see, you are actually, you're, you're actually blown away by the difference of the person you are and the holiness that God is. Some people, including myself, at times may want to just glance into the word of God, glance into the mirror, because I don't know if I'm going to like what I see. And in fact, when I see what I don't like, I want to run from it. It's easier to just glance and not understand and claim who I really am without Jesus. I see my selfishness. I see my pride, right? I, I see my, my me-centered decisions and attitudes. These are things that are real for you and me as we look into Scripture. But the grace of God would be missed if you didn't allow yourself to own those things about you. Do, you. do you understand? Like, if you just glance and walk away and go, it's too painful to look at, you're actually missing the grace and the, the healing balm that Jesus brings through the gospel. The, the very God that you look into the mirror and you see how holy and righteous he is, and in comparison you see your sin and, and as Scripture says, our best efforts are dirty rags compared to God's holiness. When you see you're a dirty rag, you want to discard it. You want to just run away from it. But the very God that, that is holy and righteous in comparison and perfect, and then as you compare yourself, the very God is the one that has actually put on skin to come rescue you from being a dirty rag and making you, washing you clean to make you linen that's white as snow. The, and so as we turn to the gospel and we see our true selves apart from Jesus, we actually, it's, we see the need for a savior. 
It's actually the best thing for you to admit that you're a scoundrel. It's the best thing for you. In, in our society, we don't want people to know. We want to elevate ourselves. That's why social media, it can be so destructive, is you see everyone's best life. You know that picture that they posted that shows how beautiful they are? They took it 500 times and edited it. But, but that's what we do with our lives. We, we want to edit our lives, and we want to post what's best. But Jesus is saying, listen, I know you. I know who you are, and I'm not scared to approach you. Nothing in your life is going to make me turn around and leave you. And so we own that we're filthy rags, and that God is holy and true, and, and yet he has the power, and, and it, it would be totally justified for him to, to boot us out and say, see ya. But instead, through his love for you, he displays it. In grace and mercy, he says, I'm actually going to send my son to get booted out so that you can be covered with him and covered by him in his perfection and holiness. And so you can come back to me. You belong back to me. Well, the second thing is, mistake-wise, that we can do when we look at this is we, don't, we just simply don't put the word into action. So the first one is we glance and we try to kind of hide ourselves instead of allowing us to be examined and, and claim who we are and therefore get the grace and mercy that God get, wants to give us. The second is that we just we read the word and then we just turn away and just do our own thing. We, we, we just say, I, I want to stay in control. I'll keep the reins to my life. And, and as we read Scripture, and, and James is telling us as we look to this Word and as we look into the, the reflection that we see in the Word of God, that hearing it and reading it and talking about it are different than doing it. Hearing and reading and talking, they are part of the process but we must move forward and apply it. It has to be lived out. It has to come in our lives and change us from the inside, and then our outside actions are changed. Um, timeline of sorts, as I was reading this, is I'm, I'm, I came across and just went, okay, we hear the word, we examine it, it examines us, we see how to put our faith into action. We live it out. And this leads us to grow deeper in maturity spiritually with Christ. And isn't that what James is writing here? He's going, young believer, young brother, young sister, I want to help you mature in your faith. And as you mature in your faith, you will understand God more you will understand who you are more. You will understand God's grace and mercy more. And you will begin to experience freedom. Real freedom. No bondage, no slavery. You will experience freedom because you are experiencing the life that you were created to live. 
a life that is, is founded on the rock of Christ. This is the gospel transformation process that we talked about last week. We need to be transformed. Education, knowledge, uh, passage reference, knowing big themes of the books of the Bible, all those things are fine and great. But what is primary is transformation. And those might aid in the transformation. But if those things don't lead you to a heart transformation, then what's the point? What we need is gospel transformation. And that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. You actually and I actually have the power to live the gospel by the power of of the Holy Spirit in me. And that's the gospel transformation. James says that this person will be blessed. And, and I, I want to just break that down for one, one minute before we move to a, a different uh, passage. But blessed, that doesn't mean the, the prosperity gospel. It doesn't mean that you're going to you know, be rich, have the most attractive spouse in the whole world, um, you know, like have the, the best car and the best worldly possessions. It's not blessed in the prosperity of yourself with worldly things. It's being blessed that you actually get God. See, that's the blessing of this person here, is the blessing is they get God. You and I don't deserve to get God. But the fact is, as we hear, as we live out and are transformed, we actually get more of Jesus. We get the God of all creation. That's beyond the lotto. That is what fills your, your, your heart and, and brings you to this place of freedom. Being a Christian or, or knowing Christ is more than a get out of hell free card. It's, it's more than, than a one-time transaction. I've, I've, I'm a good guy. I've done the right thing. I'm trying to live right. It's more than a transaction with Jesus. It's more than a get out of hell free card. It's more than an emotional altar call response. It's a lifestyle relationship. That's what Jesus is calling you and me into. And that's what James is calling out to the folks that are, that are reading this letter for the first time. Jesus is calling you and I into a relationship. Not a transaction. Not a, you've been good enough, so I'll let you slide on this part. Not just an emotional response, but a deep-seated heart transformation. A relationship. You know, and, and as we think about relationships, we... we I think it's easy to understand this reality of getting more of Jesus. Knowing, not that God is just dropping you more aspects. You have the full glory of God when you come to Christ that we will have on this side of heaven. But, uh, and we will experience him in deeper and deeper ways when we leave this side of heaven and go into heaven itself. But just as our relationships are here, they grow. You understand more. Um, I understand and know Katie, my wife, in deeper and more fuller 
in grander ways year 18 of marriage than I did in year one. And as we continue to hear the word and do the word and be transformed, we are being changed and we are growing in deeper, deeper relationship with God. And this perfect relationship that I'm talking about with Jesus that he sets up, that, that he holds, is freedom. You have hope. You, you are free of the things of this world because you are not of this world any longer. You are you're an alien in this world. You're a Christ bearer of the world to come. And you're saved by Jesus' work. Listen to how Paul describes this freedom in Romans 8. Paul writes, So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. You are condemned no more. You are what? You're free. And because you belong to Jesus, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like, like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. Friends, you and I will follow something. We will live out something. We will either live out the sinful nature in us, or we will hear the word of God, the gospel in us, and begin to live out the gospel. But we will live something out. Last week, James, really in the, in the verses that we, we read from, really helped us to understand how to receive this gospel, how to, how to understand God's work in planting the gospel in his children. This week, he's teaching us how to live out the gospel, how to practice it, how to, how to take the words and apply it. And as we become doers of this word, we grow deeper in Christ. And as we, as we examine ourselves in the mirror of Scripture, we see God's unfailing love for you and me. And as we see this grace that God has given us through his love, we're drawn deeper into love with Jesus. We're drawn deeper into our Father's love who created us and formed us and saved us. And, and we begin to experience actual freedom. I'm going to close this morning with the words of Jesus, our Lord, the one who saved us from John chapter 8. So you can hear Jesus Jesus' words to you and to me that you are free in Christ. Jesus says this in John 8. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
the slave does not remain in the house forever. The, the slave doesn't belong to the family. You are in bondage to sin. You are tied up. Your freedom is taken away. And sin is what rules you. And Jesus goes on to say, the son remains forever. So if the son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we're grateful for this message this morning from James. God, your word speaks to our hearts. It convicts us, but the conviction is, is what we need. It's not a bad thing. The conviction is actually a beautiful thing. It's evidence of your hand working in our life. And so, Lord, I pray for my friends here, listening in here and online, that we wouldn't run from conviction, but we would actually realize that, that there is freedom and forgiveness for the convict. There's actually forgiveness and freedom as we declare, I'm broken and sinful. I'm at odds with you, God. We're not shut out or pushed to, to an outer property and, and, and not allowed in the house. We're actually welcomed in the house. And we're actually welcomed in the house with loving arms as a father who embraces his son and daughter as they come home. Because of you, Jesus. And we praise you, we thank you, and we worship you, Lord. In the name of Christ, amen.